these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Wow, you guys on location. Kyle Tige, our guy Jim Peterson, on location in Portland. Uh, Jim, can you confirm, is Kyle still hungover from the Phoenix Waste Management Open? <laughs> hey, man, he showed up at 7 a.m. to pick me up for golf. So that says wow. something. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm just going to step out now and say that uh, Jim is a really good golfer. So anyone that listens to this, it's like Jim is such a good on the call. He was good in his playing days. Uh, there's not a lot of what? What are you, Jim? Six ten, seven foot. There's not a lot of seven footers that just rip three hundred yard drives. We were in the elements yesterday. It was a little wet out here, Phil. But uh, yeah, Jim is a guaranteed eighty five uh, on a bad day, but on a good day, he can kind of sniff sniff breaking breaking eighty. For sure. Yeah, that could sniff. <laughs> He paid me to say. He paid me to say. I don't actually, actually get to taste it that often, but I get to. <laughs> I actually have for later in the in the episode here. We will do a random wolf of the week. I do have a golf hypothetical for you guys that I saw on Twitter that uh, that I'll run by you here. But this is Flagrant Howls, a Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. The Wolves have one more game against Portland. I kind of like they do this in Portland. They just like go there the last couple years and get a couple games out of the way, and then you stay for a day. Um, and, um, and we'll go through, uh, the ringer rankings as well. They came out with their updated top 100 players, but my question to start the show for Jim, we'll start with this is the, I mean, this is legitimately the, I think it's the best wolves roster in the franchise's history. We could debate whether it's the best contender compared to the, the team from 20 years ago, but you covered that team. You were on the mic for that team 20 years ago, the 0304 Timberwolves, Jim Pete. How do you compare and contrast the KG Sam Cassell Sprewell Wolves that I think I still contend if Sam Cassell doesn't get hurt I think they I think they go to the NBA finals and then we see how they match up against that Pistons team but are there similarities are there are there any sort of dots you can connect between that team from 20 years ago and this team Well I think that you know you talk about uh the most uh, dominant defensive presence in the league at the time there were a lot of them back in that era too because like Tim Duncan was tremendous a lot of the bigs you know that San Antonio team was so dominant um Rashid Wallace the, the Portland Trailblazer team that you think about the Utah Jazz and what they were a lot of great Western Conference teams and of course the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings I mean there was there were so many great teams back then um but you know Minnesota had arguably one of the greatest uh defensive players in the game in terms of versatility Kevin Garnett could really guard anybody on the floor um, when Flip would play that that one two two zone, he'd put Kevin Garnett at the top of the zone. It was like it was a thing of beauty, like to see that big wingspan and, and you know KG Clark. You can just see it, right, Phil? You can just oh, see KG clap his hands, man. And and it's one of the things I'll never forget. And so, from that standpoint, I mean, there's a there's a parallel there because you could say that Minnesota also has one of the most dominant defensive players in the game right now on their team. So Rudy Gobert, what he's doing this year bringing you it's a different defensive uh dominance but it's it's still a dominance nonetheless and then when you think about uh the wing versatility too i think that latrell sprewell was an excellent wing defender you think about Nikhil alexander walker and what he brings that uh, spree's more like nah than he is uh jaden i think um uh, the length of jaden is just it's you know the wingspan and the, the amount of ground that jaden can cover is pretty awesome but um those two players like you know a sprewell was was played two sides of the ball like he was he was good defensively as well and then 
Um, and then, then the head of the snake was Sam Cassell. I think the, the, the way that Sam played point guard so smart and cerebral was able to get offense and create offense for himself and others. Um, is a lot like Mike Connolly, that, that sort of uh, veteran presence. So I think that this Wolves team, you're hundred percent right. Cause I, I've been saying this now since, you know, you know, Tim Connolly's made the acquisitions that this is the deepest, best roster that Minnesota's had. Um, and I think you're also right about Sam Cassell. Had he not gotten hurt, I think Minnesota could have gotten to the finals. They would have beat the Lakers. And I think they would have beat the Pistons too. But oh. um, I just I just really I really do think that this is the best roster that they've had from top to bottom. Um, Kevin Garnett is probably better than any player that we have on our roster right now. But the 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 group though as a whole though has been uh, just a joy to watch this year. Yeah, and then you factor into what Jim said to us a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned that Britt Robson had the same thing, that there's an argument to be made that Chris Finch is also the best coach this team has ever had, right? And Flip Saunders was awesome, Does as Britt Jim knows. That? Britt thinks, yeah, Britt Britt thinks that, that too. The same, the same day you said it, that Britt said it to Dane. He's like, I think Chris Finch is the best coach in franchise history. Yeah, well, I, you know, and, and, and I was telling uh, you and Dane this at lunch uh, uh, with Chris Hines, too, like, we were talking about it, and, and I, I, it's somewhat controversial. I think other people would maybe say something different about that, but I don't even think Flip is in the, the conversation for top three coaches in team history. And in some ways, you know, you think about Tibbs's legacy and about Rick Adelman's legacy. I even think that Kevin McHale was a better coach than Flip Saunders, and I think that, in my own personal estimation, I think Flip would have been a much better executive than McHale had they just flipped roles from the beginning but wow you know flip had the coaching bug i I think that flip was um was uh, was obviously a tremendous coach but man he was so good from an executive standpoint from an organizational standpoint from a a player talent evaluation standpoint flip was so good from that standpoint i and then mikhail i mean i sat next to mikhail for all those years in minnesota and we would sit there and talk the game as we were watching practice and i i haven't seen this only kevin mikhail could probably get away with this but kevin would he would get if he saw something go on this is you know can you imagine tim Connolly standing up and stopping finch and, and like you know directing the players <laughs> oh, man something Mikhail would stop practice periodically just to get up and interject something from the side. And I just feel like, it's like, I mean, like that, that takes a lot of, you know, gall to be able to get up and stop a coach's practice like that and talking, but you know what though? He was, he was right. A lot of ways. And Kevin McHale was, he's, he's just an all time personality, man. I just, I miss the guy and, and he should still be in basketball in some capacity. Yeah. So is it, be, I mean, is it because those guys had a relationship that went way back and it's too bad that they, wound up not patching it up, but is it because, Hey, he's Kevin McHale and he played at a hall of fame level in the NBA that he could stop at practice or like Tim, Tim Connolly is an executive, right? Kevin McHale was like, had fought those battles on the court. So he can probably step in and talk to KG on a level that obviously like a basketball suit who'd never played in the NBA could do it. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was, that was the thing is McHale had the credibility to be able to do it. And, the thing is, is he would get on the court all the time as as an executive. He would get on the court and work with guys, and uh, and so he had the, you know, the the cachet to be able to do that. Um, it just it just was funny to see it happen. You just don't you just don't see yeah. that around the end. You don't see a guy just pop up from the sidelines, you know, getting onto the court and Daryl Morey and, just jumping in real quick. Guys, guys, guys. Well, I mean, 
I'm not sure. I mean, did Vlade Divac do it when he was running Sacramento? I mean, yeah. think about puts the cigarette down, guys. <laughs> guys. <laughs> Jim, Jim, but one of the things that I've and we talked about this yesterday that you not only did you play in the league, but you also coached at you know for the WNBA with Sheriff at the highest level. One of the things I'm so pro Finch about is that what percentage in 2024 do you think being a head coach is just managing players and relationships and egos? You know what I mean? Compared to like the X's and O's that we try to dissect. How how much of Finch's job is just keeping his locker room in check and, and motivated? It's it's a it's a huge part of it. And um, one of the things that Finchie told me, because um, uh, you know my son Sanjay is coaching with the Atlanta Hawks and. And Chris and I were talking about like his Sanjay's coaching arc and what Chris, you know, did and what the things that really improved him as a coach. So think about all the years that Finchie spent over in Europe coaching uh, in in the British Pro League and coaching in Belgium. And uh, he spent a lot of years being a head coach. He became a head coach right away after he stopped playing. And so he had been coaching high level players for a long time, but he said the best experience that he had getting him ready for the NBA was coaching in the G league, going to coach for the Rio Grande Valley bikers, because he said, one of the things like, you know, when you get to the G league and you become a head coach at that level, um, you, you are basically dealing with the same kind of problems that you deal with at the pro level, like at the NBA level personalities and the issues off the court and the issues on the court and the interpersonal locker room, but, you know, dialogues that go on and things where you, where you put fires out, like between players and, and all the all the drama that happens. It's the same kind of stuff. So him doing that as a head coach at the, with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers got him ready for the NBA. And then he did pay his dues, too, as an assistant. So he had bounced around in different systems. And so when he got this job, man, he was he was ready. And he's so good at at talking to players. And, you know, um, I just I just think that that's fantastic. And then meeting with them, too, you know. I think that um, one thing I learned from Cheryl Reeve is that Cheryl would, she would meet subsets of groups of players all together. Just individually, she'd meet with them, but then she would meet with the captains and she would give the mm-hmm. captains the marching orders uh, of what she wanted to disseminate it in the, into the locker room, how, you know, game plan wise and, and, you know, culture wise. Um, and then she'd meet with just the bench players. And then she would meet with just the posts and just the guards. And then she'd meet with like two players to make sure that they knew what their role was. So always redefining roles. And uh, you remember that video session that they had after the Charlotte loss, the video, the come to Jesus they had in the locker room, yeah. the video session, and Finch was giving marching orders. I think that that role definement is so important. And I think that's where Chris really, really uh, excels big time. Hey, what's the, what's this latest thing now? You know, Finch, Finch kind of was asked about Rudy Gobert has been bugging him all year about, making sure that the Wolves are playing offense in the fourth quarter by their bench. So, cause Rudy's been adamant. It's really important. We need to be able to hear if you make a call, we, we will communicate on defense. I've got that. Don't worry about it. And so they did. And it's been, and Rudy's like, yeah, hey, we're three and zero since we made that change. And Finch kind of Finch is like, whatever makes Rudy happy. We don't really care. Have you, do you guys have any insight just being in Portland on Rudy kind of getting his way and having the offense played near the Wolves bench in the fourth quarter? Well, Kyle, yeah, you I mean, go ahead and say what you know, and I'll say what I know. Yeah, I mean, we that was like our topic du jour on Tuesday because uh, I think Chris Hine for Star Tribune is writing an article on it, and then it was also intriguing because it kind of linked up with this five-game stretch that their offense has kind of taken off a little bit. But, 
you know, we asked Finch pregame. We asked Rudy. Uh, Finch was just like, whatever makes Rudy happy. Yeah. A, a happy Rudy is a good Rudy. He said kind of tongue in cheek. Mike Conley was like, eh, you know, whatever Rudy thought about it. But guys like Ant and stuff who were a little younger thought it was a big deal because now they're in front of their own bench. They can hear Finch a little more calling out plays. The vibes from, you know, the bench warmers and stuff when they hit a big shot. So to some people, it's a big thing. It kind of does make sense, too, to just have your second half action in front of your bench so you can have all the you know communication back and forth especially on the road when it's loud but uh some people think it's a big deal some people maybe that played like the big guy in the middle here probably like i don't know but uh it is interesting that it has kind of aligned with an offensive resurgence which is something that was bogging them down in january well look um this is something that um coaches have superstition about (laughs) <laughs> or they may have they, they may have rhyme or reason about it. There's a there's a there's a there's a strategy to it, and there's a preference, you know. Um, so I noticed it in Milwaukee, and I yeah. I noticed these things because you come to the arena, and um, you know, especially when we were on the court. Like now that we're up high, it doesn't really matter as much because we're not down there. But when we're down there on the court, you'd always notice the teams that were different because. You know, most of the time the wolves would warm up on our bench end. So our coaches would be on our bench. So when we would get there, you know, I'd go sit with, with the coaches and ask them questions and stuff like that. But now all of a sudden, certain teams come to town, their coaches are sitting on our bench and it's not as friendly. You know what I mean? It's like it's different. Yeah. <laughs> so Utah Utah would do that. Utah did it with Jerry Sloan and they've they've done it. I think all of the pop disciples too, because all pop does it, pop's done it. Mm-hmm. And all the pop disciples, they tend to do it. And so, yeah. So we, so I got to the arena in 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 uh, Milwaukee, and I go, "Why are we shooting at the Bucks bench end? Like that's that's different. We don't we don't do that." And so I was asking Grady because um, I didn't go to shoot around in Milwaukee. And then so I said, "Well, by the time we got down there to do our pregame show, hit the coaches were off the floor, so we couldn't ask them. So I texted some people, and I found out that um, it was to appease Rudy." And so then we had yeah. to find out more about that. And so to appease Rudy, because that's what they did in Utah, right? Quinn did it because he's a pop disciple. Um, um, and they continue to do it uh, with Will Hardy because he's a pop disciple. Uh, and so I just think there's some some in, uh, smart uh, – it's a smart move from, from the standpoint of we've been having fourth quarter troubles. And in the second half, we've not always played great. Third quarter has been fine. Fourth quarter has yeah. not. And so, and so when players are coming towards you, towards your bench end, it's really amazing. Like in these loud arenas, it's hard to hear the play call. You know, if there is a play call, it's hard to hear what you want to do. So, you know, any parroting that can be done, if you can parrot the play call and so players can know what, what, uh, what page you're on. And then they're talking about the vibes too, right? Like our players are down there pumping them up in the fourth quarter and remember Ant, like in the fourth quarter against the Clippers, remember the shots that he was hitting and he was pointing back at the bench, <laughs> you know, like it was, it was like, it was like so much, like so much fun. But I think those guys really do feed off their energy. And if you can get more communication offensively at that end of the floor late game, I think that's huge. So I think from a strategic standpoint, it's smart. I love Ant, dude. He was like 0 for 10 in that Clippers game from three point range. And they're up by 20 and the game's over. But he's he's over. It's one of his worst shooting nights of the entire season, and he's still got the confidence to bank one in from the wing <laughs> and point at the bench. Man, that game. By the way, in that game, I think it was. I think I have it written down. Cat and Ant were like, like two for eighteen or something, or two for sixteen from three. 
and 14 for 14 from inside the three point. Just one of the craziest statistical shooting nights. But to go and then the other stat from that from the Milwaukee and the um, and the Clippers game, it's the first time 778 instances, according to Opta stats, of a team going on the road and playing consecutive games against teams that were 15 or more games over 500 and winning both by 20 points or more to just be beating the brakes off some of the best teams in the NBA by 20 points in their home building. That's uh, it's a pretty good sign here down the stretch. We finally have Skip and Stephen A. Smith or Shannon and, and those guys like the morning national shows are finally forced to acknowledge the Timberwolves uh, on like ESPN and Fox Sports one. So we're making some progress. Phil, I was going to say too today, uh, like obviously he banked it. He banked in a three in front of the bench again against Portland. Pointed at him second half in front of his own bench. Yeah, that lefty floater off the glass. Uh, and then today I went to shoot around gym and Mike and Ant closed out shoot around by having a opposite hand shooting contest. And now Ant's <laughs> just shooting like 60% from the corner with his left hand. So. There's a there's a video. He's just cashing left handed yeah. threes one so after he another. Just, he's got that. He does. He has a little bit of that Michael Jordan in him where he's just like, let me see what I can do today. Like, can I just kick the ball in from yeah. three? <laughs> who was shooting that? Who was shooting that video, by the way? Was that you shooting it or was it was it uh, Dane that was shooting me. it? Was you? That was me. We Did all had a great job. Kyle did a great job, man. I'm here. I'm here to. I'm here to please. Yeah, no. Uh, it was that. That was the big story today. Also, too, these guys. Breaking news. I think everyone's ready for All Star break. <laughs> like a, a lot of those guys have to either fly home tonight or then. I know Finchie and those guys have to fly straight to Indianapolis. But uh, it was that Phil, and then it was also there's a sweatshirt picture going around. The Finchie sweatshirt like a. 1990s hip hop album cover, but it's just got Finch's <laughs> face all over it, and Mike Conley was wearing that. So I got to get, uh, I got to get the supplier information on that, so we can start selling those sweatshirts. I love it, man. I love it. By the way, if you're Rudy Gobert, you know, I, I also would feel insecure and would be looking for anything to suggest if I wasn't one of the top 35 players in the NBA too, <laughs> which is where apparently I don't know if you guys saw the Ringer updated their top 100 list. The good news is the Timberwolves have six players in the top 100. Mike Conley, 91. Nas Reed, 82. Jaden is at 72, so respect for his perimeter defense. Rudy Gobert, 40. One slot behind Chet Holmgren, ironically. And then Cat at 27 and Anthony Edwards at 17. Are you offended, Jim, by any of those rankings? I mean, you know, you start you start throwing names around. You say, yeah, he's a top five player. He's a top 10 player. He's a top 20 player. You start throwing around. And you put start putting names on the list. You right. got to move a, a name out. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and so, what, so, Kyle, how many times have we done this, right? You say that guy's a top 20 player. And then you go, okay, you start putting the names on the list. And maybe they are, maybe they aren't. It's like, you know, um, for Anthony Edwards, I think that saying that he's a top 20 player, I think we can confidently say that, right? Um, and so is he, is he better than Jimmy Butler? I think he's better than Jimmy Butler. I would rather have Anthony Edwards than Jalen Brunson. I would rather have Anthony Edwards than Jalen Brunson. I would rather have Anthony Edwards than Donovan Mitchell. Me too. Defense. I, I, would, rather yeah. have, I would rather have Anthony Edwards than Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, I mean, Anthony Edwards is a two-way player. So I'm offended for Ant that he's not higher. I personally think Ant should be higher than, than 17. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I mean, you, so you you just you just fought the fight. I was going to fight the Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell fight. The Tyrese Halliburton fight, I agree on the defense. 
I might even fight. No defense. No. Agreed. He plays zero defense. I might even fight. I might even fight the LeBron fight. I might too. On a night tonight, I get in any given moment, LeBron still has the magic and he's still LeBron. But I'm just, it, it's, a, it's a discussion right now. It's a discussion. Now, LeBron's 39, for God's sake. So it's incredible that he's playing at this level. But I would, I would pick that fight on this list. I, I, think, I think, too, that um, I'm not saying that Ant's a top 10 player quite yet. Devin Booker scores weight. I mean, he's, Devin Booker's good, yeah. man. Like De- Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, Shea. I mean, the guys in the top 10 are legit. Uh, but I think that he's higher than 17. Your floor. Yeah, and, and and Jim, you did a didn't you on the last call? I was at the game, so I didn't get to hear. But you were doing the top five like wins of the season list too. And before yeah, the game, we yeah. were kind of going back and forth trying to build that list, and that's hard. So Phil, to your point, when you're making these like lists, or like, oh, he's top ten, or like that, you know, uh, cookie dough ice cream is like a top five ice cream. It's like okay, that's fine, <laughs> but you need to give me the list so that I know where Dude, you're gonna, you, you gonna move. Yeah, you're gonna move cookies and cream out. You're gonna move. Yeah, you, are you gonna move the like the fudge, the chocolate yeah. fudge out? You know what are you? But I ant over Jimmy Butler was the one that I'm glad Jim said it because again, as the commenters say, he knows and I don't. Ant over Jimmy <laughs> is like, who would you rather have in a one game thing? I think I would maybe still game seven rather have LeBron over an ant fill so that's where i maybe disagree but 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 dude playoff ant is even better than regular season ant small that's sample true. size that's true that's so, true i mean rudy at 40 is disrespectful to me and rudy to put, behind shangun i mean like, yeah. i like shangun but like what are we doing rudy behind scotty barnes again long term you want the 22 year old kind of swiss army knife in toronto but i don't know man like rudy gobert is the best defensive player on the best defensive team probably need to acknowledge that a little more yeah I, I'm a, I'm over the same opinion. I I really like Shangun, but I even talked to to Alperin Shangun when we played Houston at Target Center. I, I chatted him up just because of his connection to Kim Olajuwon. Olajuwon uh, yep. had worked with Shangun, and so I was asking him like how much he really even learned from Olajuwon um, because you know offensively he's so skilled. He goes, well, he goes, I probably learned more more from him defensively. He goes, he goes, even though I'm not a good defensive player. So, <laughs> <laughs> He he told me that. He's like, I probably learned more defensively than I did offensively. He goes, even though I'm not a good defensive player, he goes, I'm trying to get better. You know, so he even acknowledged it himself. But I think that um, you know, there's a what what was the quote that Mike had about Rudy? Because he was saying that, you know, Rudy impacts the game as much as uh, LeBron and Steph do. Was it I forget the two players that, that Mike had yep. said. Yep. Um was it those two, Kyle? Was it Yeah, yeah was it was it, Steph and LeBron, yep. And so like that, so that's Mike Conley saying it, you know, and, and go back to the comment section of that tweet is like pretty funny too, because people are like, that <laughs> I thought we promised not to do this. We said we're going to start with the comment section. <laughs> oh, no, but, no. No, but that's, that's a lot of times the humor on Twitter. I, I get a kick out of some of these uh, responses. <laughs> like, you know what? Who gave Mike access to the marijuana? Like, like that kind of, those kind of <laughs> He's right. <he's... laughs> but um, anyway, but, yeah. but, I, but I, I think it stands, it stands to bear that the reason why Minnesota is number one in the NBA in, in defensive rating is because of Rudy Gobert. And so if the number one team has the number one defensive rating, I think, Carl, I think that Rudy Gobert needs to be higher. It's like we don't know what to do with defense in the NBA. Like even going exactly. to the all-star voting, it's like, like Rudy Gobert is an all-star snub because I don't know. We don't really want defense in that game. And then in this case here, we're we're a hundred percent willing to put Donovan Mitchell with his 
no defense. I mean, some of these guys in the top 15, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton, not trying to disrespect them, but all offense, all gas, no breaks. And Rudy's sort of the opposite. But we will elevate the all offense, no defense players. I mean, I would say Carl, too. This might be this is not the best statistical season we've seen from Carl. You want to go back to some of the years five years ago. He's putting up 24, 25 points, right? This might be the most complete player we've seen, though, in the eight or nine years of Carl. He's like second or third in the NBA in defensive net rating, individual defensive net rating. And he's shooting, what, 43% from three-point range. And you know, this is this is the most complete player we've seen Cat be. And he's 27th now. He might have been 15th on some of these lists a while back. But we don't, we don't know what to do with his defense, I guess. I agree. I agree. This is um, this is one of Cat's better seasons, and I think that what also makes me respect him more is how much he's sacrificed to be able to do what he's doing. He changed positions. He's giving up, you know, a lot to be able to fit into a team concept to be a good teammate. So I think there's a lot of players in this list, Kyle and Phil, that wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do it as happily as Carl's done it to be able to be successful. Yeah. And and Phil, it's still and Jim knows this. He lived through this. It's still like a guards league or a wing league or just a scoring league in terms of promotions. Like the best yeah. players right now in the league are probably some combination of like a Jokic and a Giannis and an Embiid. And those guys don't really sell shoes, right? It's the Devin Booker's, the Donovan Mitchell's. So the Rudy Gobert <laughs> thing. Not only is it defense. I don't know if the league has fully found a way to like embrace and promote and market the big guys, which. The league right now is the best players in the league are big guys. So probably a little bit of a league thing, too. But uh, I'm with you. Rudy should have made the all-star team and should be way higher on this list than some of these guys that are in front of him. I will say, Kyle, we did move the needle on our shoe conversation with the new the new Anthony Edwards shoe release. We said why somebody emailed into the show and said, why does nobody else support? Why, why are none of his teammates wearing his shoes? Why is he the only one wearing his shoes? And we went on the podcast two days ago and we said, can Luca Garza get some some of the new ant shoes for guys. And there he is in gar in, in uh, cigars a time shooting threes with his, uh, his brand new kicks. I got it. So. I'm going to ask him that tonight because I did see it. And I think it's a new thing. I don't think he was wearing the shoes last week, but it reminds me plumly on Monday Clippers wolves was wearing Harden's shoes. So okay. it might just be, you know, the big backup center trying to appease uh, the <laughs> franchise player. But uh, I'll ask him tonight because he's the only other guy on the team, a team that's predominantly Nike shoe, shoe contract and things. Uh, wearing Ant's shoes. So I'll ask him tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, Jim, right now, just before I get to my golf question for you guys, and then we can uh, we can do a random Wolf of the Week, too. Right now in the Western Conference, you've got, I mean, the Wolves are still standing strong at the top. The wins, the wins against the Clippers and the, and the Bucks were uh, maybe not games that you would circle as wins on this road trip, but it's it's kept them a game ahead of the Thunder and the Clippers. If the playoffs started right now, not accounting for, let's just go one through eight seeds, not accounting the the play-in, you'd have the Wolves and the Kings in a seven-game series. The Kings are just a half game behind the Mavericks, and then you get Suns, Pelicans, like that. I think there's six really good teams that are kind of on a different category. Is there a matchup in there that you like or don't like? As you kind of survey the landscape here, the play-in teams right now would be Mavericks, Kings, Lakers, and Warriors, 7 through 10, with the Jazz knocking on the door. When you look at some of those teams, what comes to mind against the Timberwolves? Um, I think that one of the things that can give us problems are teams that run uh, are physical. So um, one of the teams that we have not matched up with well is uh, New Orleans. 
So yeah. I'm kind of, I'm, you know, because we have no real, no real answer for Zion. Um, Zion, you know, his, his, um, his career high is against Minnesota. So if you look at uh, his top 10, uh, Minnesota's in, in three of the top 10, one, six, and 10 for Kai, for for Zion in, in terms of his career high scoring. So wow. uh, he, had 43, he had 43 against us last year. And we, and, and we play against him. We just follow him so much. He, he, he puts his team into the bonus in every quarter, it seems like. Uh, we, we have no one that could, that could stay in front of him. Jaden can't stay in front of him. Carl can't stay in front of him. Rudy can't stay in front of him either. And then they have all this great three-point shooting. And they're a team that plays with pace too. So I think that's a team that I don't feel like we match up great with. I don't think we match up great with Phoenix either. So that's a team that does kind of scare me a little bit. But um, I think if we can get better offensively and more efficient and not turn it over, I think then w- we can maybe find ways to shut them down. So – I, I really feel like we can play with anybody in the West. Like, I don't think that any real team, like, really, really scares me. I think that, uh, you know, we have more physicality and size than Oklahoma City. Uh, the Clippers, we've seen Minnesota, you know, play with them. Um, Denver is still obviously, like, a, a big matchup for them because they've got Jokic and they've got good guard play too. But uh, the, the two teams that I'm thinking – and then also I think Daniel Gafford and P.J. Washington moved the needle for me with Dallas. I think that – Quietly, Dallas did as much damage, I think, against the opponents as much as New York did. And I think New York was kind of across the board, sort of thinking that they did the best in in uh, the trade deadline stuff. But I think Dallas, Daniel Gafford, he kills us, and the PJ Washington getting more three point shooting on the floor for them really helps. Yeah. See. I think that's really smart because I I would say the Pelicans too as like the toughest one because of the physicality. The Lakers can throw physical lineups out there with like, you know, LeBron and obviously AD and like ruining stuff. I think Jim, that the best matchups in like the first round would be these ISO heavy teams. Like obviously the Suns have a lot of stars as the Mavericks do. Yes. And then the Gafford points yeah. good, but they still run a predominant, a lot of their offense, just a lot of heavy isolation. Like Luca has the ball the whole time. Or like the Suns kind of go my turn, your turn type thing. So if the wolves can just put, these really, really, really all defensive level guys on the other team's best players and not have to worry about too much ball movement or, you know, flow. I think that's their best option. But yeah, the physicality, because when you rough the wolves up a little bit and maybe you get a tough whistle, that's when they start to kind of lose their heads. So uh, I'm with I'm with Jim. I think the Pelicans would be a nightmare first round matchup just because they can put yeah. a lot of size and shooting on the fo- on the court. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the, in that Clippers game, too, they tried to play some small ball thinking this is the Rudy Gobert kryptonite. But I think what we're seeing is if you go back to some of those series that Utah struggled in, the Dallas series and the Clippers series, it wasn't as much Rudy getting played off the court. It was some of the other guys were not holding up their end of the bargain on the perimeter. This is a different, I mean, this is with Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards. I don't know that you can just play small ball and, mm-hmm. oh, that's the kryptonite in the playoffs in a seven-game series, and now Rudy Gobert is irrelevant, right? You're going to hear that narrative a lot between now and the first round of the playoffs, Jim Pete, but I don't think it's the same situation roster-wise as as some of the things that Utah struggled with. No, I mean, you know, Rudy got played off more uh, from the offensive side of the basketball, and, and mm-hmm. it, you know, I just think that Rudy Rudy was not the, not the issue in Utah. Like mm-hmm. it was not the issue. I, I, I think that Finch has done a better job. Rudy feels like more included in the offense here than he ever did in Utah. They didn't, they didn't really give him the basketball much in Utah. Um, and I think that Rudy, 
is just integrated more here. I think his I think his teammates like him better. I think that um, the, the the whole vibe here is is infinitely better than it was in Utah at the time. So um, I, I'm I'm confident that that that's not going to happen. You can play small if you want to, but um, I think they're going to figure it out. Yeah. Yep. All right. I know it's an NBA game day. So we got to let the big fella get a nap because that's usually what, you know, we got to get that afternoon nap in. But Jim, sure. we oh, talked yeah. about this yesterday. We, we talked about this on, on yesterday and a little bit Tuesday night. The, the number one topic after Tuesday's win was a little bit of people wanted to know what was so funny between you and Grady. We talked about this yesterday. It's a little wet blanket here, but it's not nearly probably as, you know, magical as people thought. But you and my, I listened to it this morning and you and Grady were laughing 10 out of 10. So to kind of just sum it up in terms of, you know, Finchie kind of having a fun official moment. What was it? I, I couldn't sleep with myself. I didn't ask you. What was it that made you and uh, Grady laugh so hard? It was, I mean, it was really kind of childish in, in a sense. It was more, it was more you had to be there. I can't say exactly what happened, but I'll just say it was an interaction between Chris Finch and the female official that was hilarious. And, um, it, and so it, Michael and I, so a lot of times, you know, when we're doing games, you know, I'm looking over here. I'm looking at my computer. I'm looking at the monitor. I'm, do, I'm doing a replay. You're looking all over the floor, but we happen to both be looking at Finch and and the official at the same time. And the interaction was just, it was both caught us funny. <laughs> and so Michael looks at me and I'm laughing and I'm looking at him and he's laughing and we shouldn't be laughing. It's like, it's like laughing in church, right? You're not supposed to be doing yeah. it, <laughs> which, makes, which makes it even more funny. So it just kind of cascaded from there. It was really... It probably wasn't that funny, but it was funny to us. And I, you know, the only other time I've ever done that, because I've been doing this a long time, right? And I, we try to keep it professional. And for sure, Grady's a professional. That dude is as professional <laughs> as they come. And for, for us to both crack up like that, man, it was, it, 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 it was, it was just childish. It was, it was. And the only other time it happened to me was, was the, was the show open. It was the, it was the, um, um, it was the Derrick Rose 50-point night against Utah Jazz yep. when Jimmy Butler was, was the major soreness. Um, it, it was the general soreness. General, general, the general soreness. soreness. Oh, my God. That was the only other oh, time. Man. But so, yeah, Kyle, we said we weren't going to talk about it. Now you brought it up. <laughs> well, and, and to clear up, again, it was a professional back and forth between an official and, and Finch. It was just kind of in the moment. Yes. You did have to be there. Chris Hine was sitting up in the media noticed that, saw the, the, that, yeah. that the official had had enough of and they were getting a tough whistle and stuff just a, and Jim and Grady when they sit there you can hear so much on the court but so I just yeah. wanted to ask you because I had to do my I'm you know journalistic integrity but also unfortunately for the reddit threads and all stuff it wasn't probably as fun as you thought you had to be there but uh anytime you guys have fun on the call I know from a fan experience like real talk that it we enjoy it too so uh just keep laughing. And we never want to get back to the yard work discussions we had when the Wolves were getting blown out by 40 <laughs> back in the day. I know. I know, but Grady is so great, man. Grady is um, – I've been just so lucky to be able to work with Hanny and with Benz and now with Grady because Grady is – I mean, he's just – you guys know, he's 10 out of yep. 10. Like he's, he's got the great pipes, but he's got the great observations, um, the incredible calls. I like the electric slide call on the Nikhil Alexander-Walker. <laughs> You know, sidestep threes. I mean, he's got so many signature calls now already, just in in you know a year and three quarters or whatever. Um, so yeah, yeah, we have a lot of fun, and and um, hopefully it it uh, permeates through the crowd. You know, people it does. People enjoy it. 
It does. I love okay. how you, you, you said Michael Grady is the, the consummate professional and you're like, I don't know, you're, you're, he's professional and you're somewhere in between, but we think you're professional too. Yeah. So don't sell yourself. <laughs> hey, one more thing for the road for you, Jim Pete. Okay. This is from okay. uh, Lou Stagner on Twitter. He's uh, he calls himself golf stat pro on Twitter. And he mm -hmm. said, interesting question I received in a direct message. So you get to play Augusta national. Have you played Augusta national Jim? I have not. No, I t actually I turned down Augusta National. Wow, dude! When I okay. yeah, when I I know when I played for when I played for the Houston Rockets after we played in the NBA Finals against the Celtics, um, our owner asked me if I wanted to play Augusta, and I told him no. Yeah, wow. I didn't play golf. I really, I really, I only play. I had only pl probably played golf ten times in my life by the time I was twenty-four years old. I did not play golf. And no, so, yeah, I, I told, I told, no. I, I have two regrets. I, that's one of them. And then I, I said no to coach K when I was in high school. So like, that's another oh. thing too. That's another topic. Those are just like two of I've never played Augusta. Yeah. I mean, his stock was a lot lower than, you know, it wasn't the coach K <laughs> that we came to know. I have like these lifelong regrets of like, ah, oh, I probably shouldn't have bought a Jeep Wrangler. It doesn't get good gas mileage. And Jim's just like, I said no to coach K. And Augusta I, National. I, uh, I, de I declined an invite to the moon, and I wouldn't play at Augusta. But yeah. we'll follow up with that owner because I think Jim so, is ready to play Augusta now. For so sure. you, so you now get a second crack to say yes to Augusta National. You guys get to play eight hours. You have it's an eight-hour time limit on your round at Augusta National. You have to play from the tips, and you mm. get unlimited mulligans. So you get eight hours what? unlimited mulligans. What um, could you shoot yeah. with those conditions at Augusta? Undulating wow. greens. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for him because I was I watched him yesterday and I also I would imagine that hype that that question Phil doesn't involve a cart like you know we got no cart you got to walk. walk it you but Jim walk. and I walked all 18 yesterday. Unlimited mulligan, so you're just ripping shots every time to get a good one. You're almost like your own scramble. Mm -hmm. I think watching it yesterday with a hot putter, I think Jim would like break par. So let's say if 70. I I had unlimited mulligans in eight hours. I would hope I could maybe shoot par. Maybe. Yeah. Um, we had this. You'd be pretty tired, by the way. We. I would be really tired, but and but I would would be. Uh, I would love it. It would be one of those things that I would just. Um, I, I could die at that moment after playing. <laughs> we so we had another one. So Jeff Muniki, we had this whole group of guys. Um, we were saying, okay, so if you if you put your mother, okay, and gave her a putter. And she was six inches from the hole. She could win the Masters. Would you say that say wow. that's right? If you put her six inches from the hole. So the question is, how far away from the hole would you have to start on every hole to win the Masters, Kyle? Oh my God! Well, I oh my, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's wait. That's so so that's so it's four days. It's four it's days, four and you'd yes. have to shoot probably fifteen under, ish, Probably. Right? Probably, maybe yeah. more, maybe more. Uh, Phil, so we're talking from the tee box, right? So you're saying, yeah. So would it could would it be a hundred yards in? Would it be uh, Jeff Munich? said his his number was he'd have to be greenside on every hole in order to win the Masters. So if Those he was greenside, so fast, yeah. you know, if you're greenside, you got to put it up to the hole. It could. You know, I mean, those those greens are, are super hard to figure out sometimes. But I'm just saying, how close would it be? Would it be a hundred yards? You'd have to average. Hand? You'd have to average like a three, because because it's par seventy two, right? So you'd have to average. 
less than a four per hole, wouldn't you? Because if four times yeah. 18 is 72, if you averaged four on every hole, you would not win the Masters. So you'd have to average like 3.7 strokes per hole. I mean, 100 yards out, I, I, well, could you get up and down in three and every from 100 yards out on every one of those holes with those that's greens? That's the best question I've ever had. So, so Jim, uh, John Rom won the Masters last year shooting 12 under. So if you said yep. you and I could start 100 yards out on all 18 holes for four straight yes. days. Yes. I don't know. This might be delusional. Again, at least Jim saw my swing yesterday. If you gave me 100 <laughs> yards out on every hole. I'd win the Masters. 100 yards is my number. But you got to, so 100 yards out, you got to put it, put it on the green and then yeah. two putt most holes. Yeah. I'm, I, again, there were some driving issues yesterday with me, but within 100, <laughs> I'm pretty solid. So you got, a good, you got a good swing, Kyle. You got a good swing. It was, a, it was tough conditions, but you got, you got game. But I'm saying, boy, I the don't know. The greens are tough. That's a good point. Yeah. 100 yards. That's my and, answer. And you can't, and you can't chunk it in the water and you can't, you know, um, you can't That's true. three put a bunch of times. Like, I, I think I, gotta, I think triple bogey, triple bogey is lurking on every hole. So think dude, about that's the thing. You're, I think you're like underrating how hard it is to putt at Augusta. Because no, I am for if sure. You, if you yep. don't hit a target of a circle that has like a ten yard diameter, that thing goes off the green, and now and now you're in the thick stuff, and now now yes. it's a, now it's a six. It's this an interesting question, yeah. though. I think I like both questions, though. Eight hours in mulligans, or how far do you need to be to be able to win the Masters? You know, so we did something similar like five or six years ago on our old Mackie and Judd radio show on 1500 ESPN. Judd had not golfed in 20 years, like literally had not picked up a club in 20 years. And he was not a, like he's never been a big golfer. And so we went out, we did a live broadcast from I think it was Prestwick, but it was it was a golf course somewhere. And so we went to a par three. And we filmed this all for like YouTube just to document it. And we asked the audience, so we're going to give him whatever club he wants. No warm-up swings, no range, nothing. He just has to walk up. His first swing in 20 years is on the tee box of a par three that was like 165 yards. What's the over-under for how many strokes it would take him to put that ball in the hole? And with the audience's help, we set it at seven and a half. Could he get it in the hole from 165 yards on a par three? In, in seven strokes or less. He pipes a seven iron, 125 <laughs> yards. He didn't quite get it to the green, but first swing in 20 years, pipes it right down the middle. So now he's just pitching up, right? It took him a long time to pitch it up. I think he four, I think he pitched it up and four putted, but he did get it in in, uh, in six strokes. But that's like, find a, find, a, find a friend that doesn't golf and set an over under and take, take him out to... We Whatever tried, your favorite. We golf tried to do that with Dane yesterday, and he refused. But I was he like, Dane, let's just get you out here for one hole and see a par five, and if you go over under like thirteen, but that's a good one too. We'll get. We're gonna. My new mission now is to get Jim Peterson to Augusta. So I'm gonna start working on that. Yes, and I'm gonna, and I'm money. gonna get you to my club in Minnesota. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and Phil, Phil's a good golfer too, man. Phil, we'll have fun, man. We'll have fun. Win song. Let's do it. All right, Jim Pete, right. we'll let you, you we'll let you go. You're not napping, but whatever you're gonna go do before the game, go do it. See you tonight. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. See ya. See ya. All right, there he is, man. Jim Pete, Jim Peters. You can follow him. Jim Pete Hoops is a, a good spot to follow him on Twitter slash X. Before we get to our random wolf of the week, a shout out to our friends at First Equity, Kyle. David at First Equity is one of the most trusted and respected in the business. And he's a huge Timberwolves and Lynx fan, 20 year season ticket holder. 
A few years ago, I had a great experience refinancing my home with David at First Equity Mortgage and a bunch of 20 to be exact of my coworkers and friends over the last 10 years have also had great experiences with First Equity. We appreciate their partnership here on Flagrant House. If you want to find out more information about how you can get a great experience with First Equity Mortgage, go to femort.com, femort.com or scornorth.com keyword David. Also, our friends at Zero Res are helping to deep clean your homes. So if you only vacuum in light dust, you might want to mix in a deep clean from our friends at Zero Res, which have a 4.9 out of five star rating on Google with 17,000 reviews. If you ask for the Scornorth special, you can get three rooms Zero Resified starting at just $119 and a free hallway. And this month takes $75 off when you get your air ducts. Zero Res clean. That's 9520Res or ZeroResMinnesota.com. Say you want the Scornorth special. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero Res. All right, boys. That was fun, man. Jim Pete. That's uh, week, been... week three of Jim Pete season here on Flagrant Howls every Thursday. And it's this been is, a blast. This has been a. Uh, appreciate, obviously, the team at Scornorth helped me get, you know, a credential and all that stuff. But this has been just a stupid week for someone like me. I mean, on Tuesday night, I feel I sent you the most unflattering selfie in the world but i was posted up in section 200 or ever in the media row next to horton and then like so he's just like calling the game and you're sitting by him and and jim and grady are the best people doing these games right like i just mean that if i was a thunder fan but alan horton is the hardest working man in the world i mean he kind of had what looked like a gamer setup with like all these sheets and screens like nine different things going on and he's just by himself talking and acknowledging every little thing that's happening but like five minutes into his call his producer just gave me a headset so i'm just sitting there and i was just real talk eating popcorn listening to alan call the game wait were you watching did, the game. were you on the did you like get to say anything on the broadcast i, I, I begged them not to let me get on the radio because i don't know what <laughs> i i don't want to get alan fired but uh it's been cool it's been it's been also really fun to see that the vibes I kind of asked Ant about this the other day. Like, it feels like the last Friday before Christmas break where all these NBA players, like, I watched a bunch of games last night, and it was bad basketball. Everyone just wants to get a week off. But the vibes of this team, if nothing else, the vibes have never been higher. I mean, again, these guys were taking – they're preparing for a game against the Blazers, and they're all having a left-handed shooting contest. So I think this is a pretty locked-in team. Credit to Finch, credit to the players. But Take care of business one more time here tonight. Yeah, don't, yeah, um, don't, a- don't cut out early to – you know, holiday break here. Get yep. One more, one more twenty point win, and then go have some fun, right? And I, let's let's try not to fake an injury, so you don't have to go to Indianapolis. Yeah, I could just be like, oh, I rolled my ankle. I might be out for a couple of days. It wouldn't actually bother me that much if Anthony Edwards just stayed home. But I know he's super competitive, even with some of the knee things. He's going to want to go win the skills challenge and go throw down in the All Star game. But take care of that knee, Ant. Okay, yeah. we don't need any inflammation. None of that stuff popping up. Yeah, um, and then also too, I can't close can't close the week of pods, and I've done way too many of them without Ross. I I texted you this before, like I look so forward to this now. This is on par with like eating food and showering. It's just like I can't wait to do random wolf of the week because I'm back and I still have the lead. You know, I just actually want to point out and file a grievance. Do you know how tough it is, guys, for me to follow Jim Pete? <laughs> Can we actually put random wolf of the week at the beginning? Dude, I think you there's some Jim Pete. I think there's some producer Ross stands that just look <laughs> forward to the last period of the show. Now, Ross, you sent us an email and you had the score six to six. I believe Kyle has a seven to five lead all time in random wolf of the week. 
So Kyle yeah, has correctly guessed Ross Antoine Walker. Because you took a 4 nothing lead. Antoine Walker, J.J. Barea, Jalen Noel, Sebastian Telfair. That's four. Omri Caspi, five. Greg Smith, six. And then J.R. Ryder last week was seven for you. Ah, uh, I put it in the wrong category. I'm sorry. It's a, It was a oh. rigged system against you. Kyle. Oh, the I'm script sorry. The script said that I was yeah. supposed to win, huh? Yeah. Is that what happened? Yeah. That uh, but bef- before that, I had fixed. a three-game winning streak. Kyle snapped it with J.R. Ryder. So we'll see. Okay. Let's get the notes My- out. Let's do this. My apologies. It is seven to five. Phil can cut the lead down to one with random wolf of the week. Here we go. Ross is going to throw out a series of clues. Kyle and I can throw out guesses whenever we want to. We get up to three strikes. If one of us hits three strikes, the other one wins automatically. So here we go. We're going to have to decide, by the way, when does this season end and we start a new one? Probably when the Timberwolves season ends. And then we'll have to name a trophy. Right now, I think the leader is the Shane Heal Memorial Trophy. I think that's... <laughs> Memorial? Is he dead? Well, no, he's not. <laughs> Let's just, yeah, the Shane Heal Memorial <laughs> Maybe Trophy. Maybe to for, Kyle, but not for to the rest Shane of us. The Shane Heal Honorary Trophy? The Shane uh, then, we'll come then up we'll with have, something. Then we'll have Shane Heal on to present us virtually the trophy. Because that's my... We have, have to have you, Did on. you DM him on Twitter? Weren't uh, you a couple times. Time? He also probably is thinking, who is this random dude with a mustache <laughs> at the time that is trying to talk to me across the world? But uh, yeah, I'll talk to Jake Painting... Lives in Australia, so he might be our, our liaison to, yeah, to establish this bridge. I'll see what I can do to make it happen. <laughs> Here is question number one, or excuse me, clue number one. Kay. This random wolf of the week played for three different NBA franchises. So this random wolf of the week played for three different NBA franchises. You got a heat check guess? You got a heat check guess? No, because all the Wolves alum have played for Dude. these three teams because they stop by here, they get a paycheck when the Wolves are bad, and then they go somewhere else. What if we made a rule that we each get one heat check guess that doesn't count among our three strikes after Ross's, after or before Ross's first clue? I like Done. this. Done. I Amended. Like this. Let's let, let it rip then. I love three Kyle's NBA thought, teams. though, that this could literally be 80% of the NBA <laughs> off of that first clue. Um... I don't know if I have a. We don't. It, it's not a mandatory NBA heat check. Okay. No, but it's like a, it's okay. it's like for golfers. It's like a, bre- a breakfast ball. Like I'm going to yeah. hit that second ball. So I'm just going to say it now because it is pouring rain in the Portland metro. Uh, make it Wayne himself, Wayne Ellington. It is not Wayne Ellington. Okay. 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 Doesn't count. Nope. Doesn't count. Does not count. Phil, okay. I'll throw. I'll throw a heat check out. I'll throw a heat check out. Wayne Ellington. That was a good heat check, guys. I mean, you have what, like a one in three hundred and forty chance. <laughs> some, yeah, something like, like that. 287, 300, somewhere in there. Okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Dean Garrett. Ooh, good name. Not Dean Garrett. Not Dean Garrett. Okay. This Clippers, wolf, Wolves. This random wolf of the week averaged 12.4 points per game during his time with the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a pretty good. That's number. pretty good, man. That's yep. Okay. Three NBA franchises, 12.4 points per game. This goes along with Kyle's point. This random wolf of the week spent his 11th NBA season with the Minnesota Timberwolves. This random wolf of the week spent his 11th NBA season with the Minnesota Timberwolves. This random wolf of the week was an NBA All-Star in 2004. Who Whoa. knows their All-Star history? 
this random wolf of the week, not a native of the United States of America. Okay. Foreign. Foreign-born player. NBA All-Star in 2004. So he was an All-Star with KG then, but maybe not with the... But maybe not with the Wolves. At the time of his drafting, this random Wolf of the Week was the youngest player ever to be drafted. At the age of 18 years and 132 days. Oh, my God. Hold on. Oh, my God. Kyle might have something. The wheels are turning. The hamster wheel is moving. Do you want me to read that again? Can you say that again? At the time of his drafting, this random wolf of the week was the youngest player ever to be drafted at the age of 18 years and 132 days. Kyle's got it. And then can you say the one before that? (laughs) No, sorry, it's not that selfish, but I... Can you use it in a sentence, please? (laughs) Language of origin. Uh, What one was before that? This random wolf of the week. uh, Oh, no, not a native native to the United States. Random wolf of the week was an all-star in 2004. Okay. You got three guesses, Kyle. You, You can, no, you can, you can keep going. Oh, Wow. Oh, it's your show now. I'm just like staring into Phil's here. eyes right now. I'm trying to. Uh, well, it's tough because you you gave us like an eleven. You said eleven. He was with the Wolves in his eleventh season, but he was. I think I don't want to talk too could, much. But yeah, go go one I more. Think, go one more. I think the next clue is really gonna help. So be prepared to shout out your answer so I can differentiate. We don't have to wait, right? We can yell it mid question. Yeah, you can just okay. Say so okay. he was a, he was a wolf during like a really sort of dark period. I don't know the All-Star stuff, but I will say, if memory serves, the 2004 All-Star team, so the game would have been in the spring of 2004, Flip Saunders coached that team. Yeah, because they had the best record. Because they had the right? best record. So, But, Ross, the floor is yours. This random wolf of the week is currently 42 years old. Andre Kirilenko. Yep. Boom. There it is, dude. Correct. Nice job. Nice job. You didn't even ah. let me... You didn't even let me get to the uh, one night stand clause. Oh, that would have. Oh, oh, that would have been. been. That yeah. would have been. Uh, no, the uh, I because I remember the nugget about when he was drafted. Again, obviously coming from overseas and stuff, but the overseas guys, I think for a period of time, were always the youngest players drafted. So, uh, yeah. Well, it's my, either it's either a high school. Obviously, I was try, I was try, I was on the like American high school track, and then the foreign clue came in. Well, I the. I, I couldn't put together, like, the foreign clue and the 18-year-old clue. Let nice the job, record Kyle. reflect. Kyle leads 8 to 5. 8 it to 5. 8 to Ugh. 5 lead for Kyle. So Phil has still won 5 of the last, what? 5 of the it's, last it's, 9? Something it's a like what that? have you done for me lately league, the random wolf of the week. So so that the 2004 All-Star team, the Western Conference, when back in the day when traditions mattered, Adam Silver, uh, Steve Francis, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Yao Ming were starters. your starters, and your reserves were Ray Allen from the Sonics, Sam Cassell, AK-47, Dirk Nowitzki, Peja Storakovich, Brad Miller, yeah. and a guy named Shaquille O'Neal. And they were coached by the late... Wait, Shaq off the bench in that All-Star game? Does, wow. 
Does it surprise you guys that AK was only a one-time All-Star? I thought he would have made it more than yeah, that. Yeah, in fact, if you look back at his career, I yeah, look I always thought he was I thought he was better in my mind than he really is. Let's pull up his basketball reference. And yeah, then he, if you guys would permit me, I want to hit you guys with a quick hot take and get your thoughts when we're done with this. Yeah, I to to the basketball referencing quick, he was a 31% three-point shooter during his yeah. career, but that was on just one and a half attempts. Um, a little bit of Kyle Anderson in a, to the point where I think he would really turn down some shots. Again, he played in a different era, but he's another one of those guys. If you threw him in today's NBA and he could just shoot like even 34% from three, yeah. he was a longer, I think, taller, skinnier Kyle Anderson. I mean, he could play point. He could defend all five positions. I think that's kind of why I liked him. I like those Swiss Army Knife guys, but his tenure here was one of the things that kept me going because that was a dark dark time Ross when uh, Andre Karolinko was on this Timberwolves team he played amazing defense too right he was yeah you're kind of right like he's he's Kyle Anderson in some ways but he's also he was also Jaden McDaniels in some ways on the perimeter you could, he could kind of guard at any position yeah. I was naive enough to think that since they had signed AK 47 that might actually turn out to be a functional and nice season for the Timberwolves <laughs> and oh nope. boy was I jokes wrong. on you Yep. Here's my very quick hot take, gentlemen. It has nothing to do with the Timberwolves, but it has everything to do with the National Basketball Association. And Kyle mentioned his name just moments ago when talking about the Western Conference All-Stars. The Orlando Magic earlier this week, I believe, retired Shaquille O'Neal's number. Mm-hmm. Why? He played for you for four years. He went to one. I love this take. Yeah, he went to one finals for you and spurned you. Yeah. Left you at the altar. It is, it's at also the weird first that it's happening. He got. It's happening thirty years later too, Why? right? Why? Yeah, no. it's kind of weird. We're no, still, we're still there. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, there he is, Dane. Dane Moore in the house. Dane, we're just trying to debate if Shaq should have had his jersey retired with the Magic. No, take, you think so? Remember, there was. Uh, there's only three players of all time. Chris was telling me this the other day. Shaq. <laughs> uh, three players that have been had the jersey retired by three time, teams. Shaq. Um, Wilt and is this live recording right yeah. now? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not Draft live, but it is Pete being Maravich. recorded. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Pete Maravich was the third. Pete one. Maravich. Okay. I didn't okay. Know okay. It's good yeah. to see you all. Yeah. That was a- <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the Jim Pete was great. That's the best guest appearance in the history of Flagrant Halls. I gotta go. I gotta Dane go feed Moore my pontificating. <laughs> right. I don't Kyle think go. I'm wrong here. I know it's my own take, but I don't think I'm going to marinate on that. I'll be ready it's, next year. But next I'm with Ross. I love the take. It's a little bit of a desperate move by the Magic. Why not do it 20 years ago? You know, just at this point, it's weird. Now, the KG thing, maybe we're hypocrites because KG spurned the Wolves. No, we KG didn't want to leave the Wolves. Yes. Off, yeah. off the top. Ross, I thought you were an idiot there, just being like, well, I don't know, man, Shaq, those uh, fantastic magic uniforms. I was like, what is he talking about? He played there for four years, so essentially yeah. his rookie contract. Yep. He did win Rookie of the Year. He was top 10 all four years in MVP voting. But, man, you just opened up my eyes. He did nothing there. I mean, he was an all-star, but, I mean, that is yeah. Well, he was one of, he's one of the best. He's the second, in terms of points per game, second in magic history. Can you name number one? No. Anthony Hardaway? Not Penny Hardaway. I don't think. Dennis I, Scott. I don't think it's Penny. I think I think it's Tracy McGrady. Right. Okay. Tracy McGrady. Okay. Yeah, right. Keto right. Turkaloo. What go an feed. episode. Go Kyle's got to go. This is a Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. Flagrant Howls.